ready? I'm ready. Welcome to the One Player Podcast, the show on solitaire board games. I'm your host, Albert, and this is episode 317. I'm sinking, Albert. I'm sinking. <laughs> hey, Julius. That's that's Albert, not what I was expecting. Albert, do you know what that's a reference to? No. Oh, this is an old commercial that I make jokes about all the time, where it's for a duel, the older version of Duolingo or whatever it is, but it's a learn how to speak in different languages. Oh. So there's a, it's a German, um, it's a German, uh, what's it called? German crew like this, a German spill crew. And they're listening on the radio and they hear another boat going, SOS, SOS, our ship is going down. We're sinking, we're sinking. And the German guy goes on and says, what are you sinking about? <laughs> That's terrible. Okay. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. So, lear- learn foreign languages. It could save your life. Exactly. <laughs> and is that what today's game is about then? Foreign languages? It's kind of. It's not quite about foreign languages, but it is about boats and sinking. Because okay. today's game is going to be the spill which is a cooperative pandemic-ish style game where you are working together as a team to rescue marine animals from an oil spill. Before we get into that, should we, uh, should we, we received some feedback about episode three fifteen a few weeks ago. Oh, we received a lot of feedback. I love seeing all the feedback we were getting. Yep. Yep. Cause usually it's quiet around here. Our mailroom staff is underworked, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> I definitely appreciate a lot of the emails and letters we received. Mikulai said that this is the kind of episode they were like. I enjoyed getting into it with Albert. We so rarely have such divisive topics between the two of us. And it's always fun to get into it with Albert. And I, I listened to it as well after we recorded it. Uh, I'm, I was slightly concerned, like, a- immediately after we sat down and finished it, I was concerned, like, did it feel like I, did it sound like I was getting legitimately angry at you, Albert? And mm. I definitely didn't want to give that impression, and I don't think anyone has made comment that they took that impression. Um, I, I enjoy getting into it. I enjoy getting into the argument and having fun with it, but I have a smile on my face the whole time. Yeah, um, Absolutely. But I definitely wanted to to call out some of the letters and comments we received because I really enjoyed seeing all of them. Um, Jason was one person who sent us a message who had said that he enjoyed reading it and he talked about the necessity and, and talked about the topics of it. And I'm, I'm hoping that at one point in time, we're going to take some of those messages that Jason had where he talked about what exactly is the metagame and what pulls out of it and talking about constructing a deck. And I think that more of exactly what he was talking about is what I was thinking this mechanic would be before it moved into an unpopular mechanic. And I think we will definitely return to the idea that Jason's putting out in his email to us about where it is that we're going to be going in the future. I think we'll definitely have a popular mechanics based on what was my original interpretation of it and the same place that Jason is going for in his message. Mm-hmm. I got a comment from Chris Okay who said, talking about the, the categories, he thought that if you're, if you're building a theme deck, then that's sort of the, the game between the game. If you're beating, if you're building a deck or tweaking your deck to, to defeat the specific enemy from a scenario, then that's really part of the game. Then that that's just continuing playing the game be, between two sessions. I definitely so, so, think more people are listening to me over you, Albert. I that's not at all what I got out of it, but okay. <laughs> well, I think Karen agreed with me. Karen is another person who sent over a message. She mm-hmm. also seemed to agree that. So that there's game adjacent activities, but that those things, well, I guess really I'm reading too much into it to try and prove my own point, but I appreciate the message that Karen was doing. Uh, she commented something I should have thought about before because I really enjoy playtesting. She commented that playtesting um, feels different from just playing a game because there's a lot of different ideas that are coming about like what you can do to change or how do you make a suggestion or what you're looking for how to play i remember at one point in time i was play testing video games and my kids have told me i did this in high school my kids have told me before that it sounds like an awesome job 
and playtesting video games was the absolute worst way to play a video game because I remember we had to play a racing game where our whole goal was to just crash into all the walls of the track and see if anything broke. And that was all we did. We did get to play the actual game. So <laughs> I can definitely say playtesting certainly feels very different than playing the game itself. And I similarly, I appreciate the comment, Ken. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I did feel she, she agreed with you more than with me. That's the impression I got also. Uh, she she also mentioned the idea of uh, designing games as as a an idea, and th- that's that's a fair point. But I don't think that kind of worked with or the direction I was coming from because I was trying to come up with games that lent themselves to to playing outside of the game, and and designing a game doesn't work because you can't include that until the game already exists. <laughs> But again, you know, Eric, thank you, thank you for all the feedback we received, and it, it was a lot of fun to go through it. And it was a it was a fun episode to record. Yes, thank you all for the feedback. We always enjoy hearing back from you guys. If anybody else sends us any messages, we'll try and respond on the air as well. Uh, if we're not responding to it now, you know, there's always a time delay between when we're recording these podcasts, when we get released, when these emails get sent. So don't think it is that we're ignoring you, but we definitely appreciate receiving all the messages. Mm-hmm. That's right. So today's game now, The Spill. Indeed, The Spill. So again, this is a cooperative, pandemic-stylish board game with a whole bunch of dice where your goal is to prevent an oil spill from damaging the marine wildlife. Okay. Good summary? Yep. (laughs) It kind of captures it pretty well, I guess. Perfect. What you left out is that there's an actual oil rig in this game. Well, I mean, I hadn't gotten to the components, but since you <laughs> want to jump into the components so fast, let's talk about the components. Albert is referencing that there is an actual oil rig. There is what is essentially a dice tower. A large orange plastic oil rig is included with the game. You have to assemble it for all practical purposes. You have to assemble it every single time you pull out the game. But there is a plastic oil rig with two layers of dice tower-ish on it, and then the final base where the dice get thrown in all directions. You will construct that dice tower, the oil rig, and then you'll put it into a grid-type thing so that when the dice fall off of it, it'll go to one of the different quadrants of the grid, and that'll determine where around the board they go. Because around the board is a circle, or on the board around the rig, is a circle. There's four quadrants, and each quadrant is one through six. So when you roll the die, the number that shows up on the die will determine which segment of the quadrant it goes to, and where the die falls will determine which quadrant it falls into. So like, if your game is like off-center, or if your table's off-center, it's always going in one direction, that'll make for a very different experience. So probably <laughs> want that to try and be a little bit more balanced. Okay. Is the dice tower seem pretty balanced itself? I mean, looking at the yeah. picture, it looks like it's a funnel that just goes straight through to the two towers. I mean, it doesn't go straight through because dice don't fall exactly straight down when you're a dice tower. So stuff goes all over the place. It's So it's perfectly... The balance is when it hits the bottom, about which direction it falls. When I've played, assuming not playing on a plastic off-kilter table where it's clearly off-balance, when the table is at all level, the dice are appropriately distributed among the quadrants. They go all all around the right way. Gotcha. Okay. So, and this is the component that's going to catch everybody's attention right away, but that's not the only component in the game. Probably going to catch everyone's (laughs) attention right away. Um, It is big. There are some stickers that you get to stick around the edges of it so that it shows up looking more like an oil rig and not a giant plastic anomaly on there. (laughs) Um, The stickers that I got required a little bit of trimming to be able to cut on them. This is the Kickstarter edition that I have. Uh, I think there was some sort of comment about them changing later, but it also wasn't a big deal to just trim them. It's perfectly fine. Okay. I'll get back to some other comments about that once I discuss the rest of the components. Um, Obviously, there are the dice that are going to go into it. There's a whole bunch. There's 60 black dice that go in it, and you'll drop those around, and then those dice will go around the board. The dice are all appropriately sized um, and 
are visible and it's clear. It's white on black dice. There's nothing too particularly cool about the dice that are included. They have a slight marbling effect, but it's slight. It's not... My wife is a big fan of like the oil slick purple sheen that I sometimes see painted. It doesn't appear quite like that. It's just a little bit of marble, and that's fine. Mm. Next, there are tokens for the marine animals. Uh, the game comes with cardboard tokens for the marine animals and the weather effects. I did back it for the deluxe one to have the wooden animal tokens instead, uh, and so I tend to use those. Either way, it's a set of tokens for each one of them. There's six different type of marine animals. Each of them are both a different color and a different animal type. It's very clear and easy to see what they are. Uh, they're not real. They're not to life. They look like you know noun project type level of what they are, which is a good thing because it makes it very clear and easy to identify what they are. Each player has their own ship token, and all the ship tokens are unique. They're all these ship meeples that are very visible. They don't tip over. They're all unique molds for them. So no repetition. And that's a nice thing. Last couple token, last couple things here. There are specialist mats where you will store weather effect tokens, weather effect tokens. When weather dice come out, they will be used to determine what weather token is going to be applied to your game, which most of the time makes something harder. One, it does have a chance of making it easier for you. Uh, but that's the weather effects. Then the last two things, there are three things, I guess. There's a main situation board where you're tracking how much oil has been removed, how many marine life has been saved or killed. And then there's activation cubes. There's these orange cubes that are they're cubes. They're used for tracking. They're used for marking stuff down. They're nothing to write home about those. And then there's spill-out tokens. These are a crucial component. Uh, one of the ways that you can lose the game is by having too many spill-outs. A spill-out happens when one row of dice, so each segment in each quadrant has three spots for dice. If a dice segment fills up entirely and you have to put another one there, it spills out. It causes more dice to come out and it is a loss of the game. If you're about to have a spill out, you want to put the spill out token there as sort of a warning that <laughs> don't have that happen. When you are starting to run out of those spill outs, that's going to cause a, that's going to end the game. When you have all six of those spill out tokens there, that's it. So the spill out tokens are useful to show you, hey, address this right now. There's six tokens? There's nine tokens, but six of them is for a loss. Oh, the so, rulebook says one spill-out token. No, the spill-out tokens are the orange, sort of slightly curved tokens. And those are used to show how many tokens, how many spill-outs are threatening. And again, a spill-out threatens when you have three dice in a full segment. So when a segment is already overloaded, that's a spill-out, and you must address it immediately. Or if you have six of them, you're going to lose the game. Gotcha. Okay. I, I downloaded what said was the final rules that went to the printer, but it doesn't show those at all. And it calls the spill out token, a little black teardrop shaped. The little black teardrop, I think that's just called the spill token. That's just used to track. Um, Cause when you ha start having spills, that's used to track how much oil is coming out. So as the game gets worse and worse, kind of like pandemic type thing, where over time the storm intensifies or the situation intensifies. So same kind of thing with that spill out token that will show the intensification. Okay. That's okay. not the token I'm, I'm, I'm talking about right now. Okay. I do see the, the nine now, but the, the funny enough, they call both of them spill out tokens, the nine that you mentioned and the black drop. Yeah. That's probably not a good thing to do. Um, but yeah, I'm talking about the other ones that yep. are the spill tokens. I'm calling those out specifically because they're really important to keep track of because since you have a giant dice tower in the middle of your board, if you're not keeping track with those spill out tokens, it can be very easy to suddenly lose the game because you don't see on the other side of the board that there's a spill out threat. So having those tokens to very quickly call out, hey, there's a threat is a very important, especially when you're playing solo, you're more aware of everything going around on the board. When you're playing multiplayer, you have to be telling everyone like, look, if you see one that's filled up, make sure you call it out. Make sure you're putting one there. Don't just put the die on the slot 
and then leave it. Like actually take the token and convey to everyone else because it's super easy to miss it. Yeah, I like that. It makes sense. And yeah, they are they are very visually very easy to spot and, and not miss. They're big, bright orange. <laughs> uh, yeah, they have a whole lot of orange components, I'm guessing. The primary colors for this game are orange and black, I'd guess. Oh, yeah, orange, safety color. Yep. There you go. So that is all the components. Another couple of comments about some of them. I've already commented that the, having that big dice tower in in the way, in the middle of the board, it is both striking and will make people who aren't playing your game come over and take a look at it, but it's also annoying for those who are playing your game because it blocks your line of sight. Mm. This can have unexpected benefits and the obvious downsides. The obvious downsides is it's hard to see what's happening on the other side of the board. Um, unexpected benefit is it actually works to help, you know, when you're playing multiplayer, it helps to rent quarterbacking because one person <laughs> often, you know, if you're sitting on one side of the board, it's helpful to talk about it and say, Hey, what's going on on your side of the board? What do you see? Are you seeing anything that I may be missing? Like, is there anything urgent or do you see any ideas over on your other side of the board? And by having everyone sort of have their own, vision of it loosely saying it helps them have everyone have a better feeling of involvement which is a nice thing yeah that's interesting you'd never think of that i imagine that's sort of side effect that just happened to come out at during testing and playing i don't know but if I they realized like it. it because i i don't think it's a benefit that outweighs the drawback <laughs> oh, okay um it's just a it is a nice thing to have at the at, at as it all comes together, it's a nice thing to have where everyone sort of controls their quadrant. When you're playing four-player, everyone controls their quadrant. Everyone's responsible for calling out ideas and mentions, but everyone can still see into the other quadrants. So I, I don't think it outweighs it, but it's at the very least a benefit that you can find once the situation has happened. Mm-hmm. And when you when you say each person controls a quadrant, it's not in the rules they control. It's just oh, no. the consequence of that tower being in the way that you're each going to naturally take ownership of your end of the board. Yeah, especially because like the dice, when they fall into that grid, it's very easy to not even see them. And you pull out six and you empty out all the quadrants and you don't even realize, hey, one of the quadrants still has a die. And then mm. that happens sometimes when littler people are playing on a quadrant that sometimes some turns have less dice than others and oops yeah oh, wow. and if you're playing solo then it's also i guess easier to miss yeah it happens it's fine okay. mm-hmm. An- another comment that i just have to mention i don't know if you're an asmr person are you albert are you an asmr really. person no <laughs> no no so uh there is a lot of auditory feedback when you're dropping the dice into this <laughs> big plastic dice tower spill thing. It clacks against all of them on the top. It clacks against all of them in the middle. And then it clacks against all of them on the bottom. And it does it, you know, for all six, eight, ten dice every turn. You do this every turn after everyone's turn. You keep doing that. It's noisy. It it bothers me. I I don't like it. I am considering looking into some felt or something to be able to mm-hmm. cut down on that noise and line the inside of the plastic with some felt. I haven't done it, and right now with my sprained arm, I probably won't till after the sprain is is resolved because it requires some measuring and things like that. But I I don't like the noise. It's loud. Yeah, and it being plastic, I imagine it's it's, it's loud and clacky. It's it, it will be kind of an unpleasant noise. And in fact, that was I thought about that as soon as I saw the tower. I said that's got to be noisy. Yeah, it I'm really gonna... is. I don't enjoy it. I don't know how I'm going to get the felt on the bottom base. I'll probably use the cricket to cut a pattern or something and figure something out. But I don't like it. I don't like it at all, Sam. I am. <laughs> the, the bottom base should well it's, it's not going to be perfect no matter what it's not but, um if you just do the middle and the top even i think that would help a lot already but it, yeah it's really not or maybe just the center of the bottom put a ring on there i don't know so once you 
once you get it, it should be easy to figure out because you, you buy Velcro with a sticky bottom. So, well, I don't work quite that way. I measure things out, then I cut them nicely, and oh yeah, yeah. yeah. I but can even just then, figure it out. <laughs> cut and measure, but it, it comes sticky, and that's easy. That's the hardest part I found with felt was sticking it. Yeah, I mean that's true for the top part, but when you have to curve it around on on the plastic base because it's it's a rounded top, it's mm-hmm. gonna be harder. Yeah, it's it's a cone in the bottom, basically, right? Or is, is it pointed, yeah. or is it? It's a little pointed. Okay. Well. Yeah. So it's not ideal. And Sounds like you're going to be enjoying the game between the game here. <laughs> exactly. Sure. <laughs> um, another issue that is not ideal is storing it. I don't. I'm, there was a plastic insert that was included with the game. There's no instructions or anything on on how to load stuff in the plastic insert, and I'm not quite clear on what their intentions were on how they're expecting you to store it, because either you have to take apart and reconfigure that grid every time, or you have to take apart and re-put together the... I mean, you certainly have to take apart at least a, a good portion of the dice tower every single time. You can't, if you're not taking those apart, you can't use the plastic insert. And I I mean, especially the grid, the figuring out how to install the grid, there were directions for like slot A and slot B and four and and it was hard (laughs) to put together. I did not want to put together that grid multiple times, especially every single time. Is the grid plastic also, or is it cardboard? No, the grid is cardboard. Oh, so, yeah. I, I don't like taking cardboard things like that apart, because after a little while, they just start wearing away, too. They're going to break. Mm-hmm. They're going to break along the edges. So I wanted to apply some glue to it, but that meant throwing away the plastic insert and figuring out a way to put everything else in the grid, essentially. And so that's what I did, but now I'm, I'm having to, dis- to disassemble the legs of the tower every single time and then put it back together every single time. And then one of the annoyances when I put it back together, there's short legs and there's long legs. And so I have to line them up if you're, well, are these the short ones? Are these the long ones? There's no way to identify them at a glance other than that one's short legs and one's long legs. So this one in time, I put a little bit of black on the underside of the long ones just to try and identify them at a glance a little bit faster. But it's... It's an issue. Mm-hmm. It sounds awful fidgety. Yeah. yeah I, I think for something like this, I would throw, even I would throw away the insert. Oh, I already, I mean, I already have thrown away the insert because my solution was just to disassemble the tower every time. But it's not ideal. Yep. Would much rather have found a way to be able to just fit it all in the box without having to disassemble every, disassemble the whole thing every time. Possibly first world problems. <laughs> Maybe. But I get him. I totally get him here. So I believe that is all that is fit to say on the components. The the my only comment is that the little counters, the contaminated side looks sad. It's a little, like the little turtle, like <laughs> in oil. <laughs> I think that's the emotion it's trying to evoke. Yeah, I, I get that. the the wooden The wooden uh counters you have, the upgraded version. I had assumed they're a shape, but they're not. They're also square, right? They're just square. Okay. Yeah, it's just wood squares with print with stuff printed on them. It's the exact same images. It's just wood, just bigger and chunkier. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. No, I don't think I have any other comments about it. I mean, it all looks nice. the 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 design's appealing. I agree with that. It does look nice. The design. I think the fact that it's pulling at your heartstrings with those turtles and oil spills and everything like that. I think it's exactly doing its point. All of that is appealing. All of that looks nice. My issues with just some of the bigger components is just issues. Yeah. Yeah. In that case, in this case, it's functional issues, even, I would say. Yeah. All right. So beyond components. Going on to the rule book. Um, the rule book, I think, is perfectly adequate. It describes how to play the game in a nice chronological fashion. So this is one of those that is perfectly fine. I had no issues with it. It's got a good reference area on the back and in the middle. Perfectly good rulebook. I have no issues with it. Okay, yeah, and it's pretty short too, right? Like a dozen pages? Yeah, a dozen pages. Yeah. So, so it's not terribly complex or anything. Exactly. 
So let's move on to theme. Actually, I guess we've really covered the theme. It's it's pulling on Albert's heartstrings. Yeah, that's Albert theme. feels for the turtles. Yeah, that's the only one. The only counter they show the the backside of in the rule books. So that's the only animal I feel bad for, honestly. Oh, really? Yeah, forget the rest. I mean, you can see more of the images of the other ones if you look through BGG or on the Kickstarter page. You should feel bad for all of them. One moment. Let's go look at the sad other animals. Fine. The spill. Oh, there's no other pictures. I don't see any oil-covered animals. Oh, wait, maybe there's a seahorse in oil. What is that? Oh, no. It's a little manta ray in oil. I didn't hear you, Albert. I said there's a little manta ray in oil, too. <laughs> poor manta They're all in oil. And, and poor what turtles. The poor pelicans. I haven't seen that. I don't feel bad for the pelicans. Yes, this is a nice eco-conscious game. I know it fits well with my general mentality on things. Yeah, I actually, I saw a story today that they uh, they have removed twenty animals from the endangered list, uh, unfortunately because they're now extinct. Yeah, yeah. it's like oh, jeez. We're not being too good for our environments. And that, yeah, that's where we're at. So this game is maybe trying to tell us something, teach us a lesson, or, or get our attention about the environment. It could be. Why well, I mean I've got this I've got endangered I, I, I'm I'm a supporter of those kind of things. All right. Hey, one more one question about the dice tower. Did you get trouble with the dice getting stuck in the uh, uh, in the tops often? Right, no. like if you throw them all in there, it seems like they could easily jam up. Not I mean, if you're home. throwing all of them in, yeah, sure. But okay. you don't ever just empty the entirety of the bag in there. But you're still doing ten, right? I could just see if, if you. Throw like, too you gotta like start slowly with 10 draw. and then it goes to i think the max you can get is six per turn as, as the game builds so yeah i mean so okay so you may have to to just pace yourself as you're putting them in even with 10 i've never had an issue if you're throwing in all 60 maybe, <laughs> maybe if you're throwing all 60, why are you throwing all 60 in there what are you doing you're just you're you're trying to do a dice tower table drop at that point in time <laughs> Maybe you're right. Yeah. Okay. It's the, I saw a picture of the dice tower from above, and it looks like the opening is slightly bigger than a die. And that's what made me yeah. wonder about that. Yeah, it's it's much bigger than a die. It's perfectly fine. Okay. All right. Okay. So, so how does the gameplay work? Let me go over that with you, Albert. So this is your typical. Well, I guess not typical. This follows the normal phases of your pandemic styles where the game does a bad stuff and then you try and do good stuff to try and not lose. Um, the first thing that the game will do is based upon how many spills have happened. Uh, you will pull a number of dice out of the bag. It normally starts at three over the course of the game. It's going to build up to four five, six, depending on how much it is. Uh, you'll then throw those into the dice tower, into the oil rig, and then wherever they fall, go and check where they are and adding spillets as you can. If a die goes onto a spot with marine life, you have to flip over the marine life to show that it's been contaminated. You then have until the end of the turn to rescue that marine life. If you do not rescue that marine life by the end of the turn, the animal is going to be... Um, I don't know if they say the word killed. It's going to... Oh, it's moved to sickbay. Excuse me. Moved to sickbay, not killed. But... It is moved to sick bay if you don't handle it. Otherwise, you know, theoretically, what you'll do is you'll either go rescue the animal or push the oil back or just take out the oil oil dye. But if you get you need to handle it at one in one fashion or another. Otherwise, you're going to be losing animals to sick bay, and losing animals to sick bay is going to be one of the ways that you lose the game. So. Then the last thing you do is there are these four blue dice. When you draw those, you'll roll those to figure out what effect happens. Uh, whatever effect happens, everyone goes and flips over their token to show that it's active. When a person finishes their turn, if they have any of those active tokens, they flip them over. So those only last for a turn, but in general, they're a bad thing that prevents you from doing it. Once everyone's taken, they once 
everyone takes the bad turn. So you'll be going, a person does a bad thing and then they do a good thing. And then a person does a bad thing and then a good thing and go around the board. So once it's your turn, you get four action points to do stuff. The stuff you can do is move. You can push back a die so you can overload a spot with extra dice uh, and put it, or excuse me, you're not overloading it. You can push it back into the oil bag so it's not theoretically being cleaned. It's just being pushed back to spill out later. You can remove it from the game so you can actually clean it up and take it out of the bag and put it on the cleanup track, which in general is going to be something you need to do to win the game. Uh, you can rescue a healthy animal or, which is harder, you can rescue a contaminated animal. Those are all of the stuff you can do on your turn. So very much pandemic-y. You go around the board rescuing, pushing back the pushing back the oil dice, and trying to keep going until you win. When you put dice, when you well, when you finish any set of stuff, whether it's three removed oil tokens, oil dice, or six removed animal tokens, so a full set of six, you will get an activation cube. Uh, which is the most unthematic way of doing it because you get an orange die. Couldn't have been like a token with a cool action on it or like a dollar or like a UN token or something neat to show what it is. It's an activation cube, whatever. Mm. Um, you get an activation cube. Those activation cubes are now a resource. There are these cards that are out that you can activate. So they're like bonus actions that you can get to dredge or do extra containment or extra rescues and things like that. So it's an extra bonus you get. This is a little bit more strategic of a choice and you can use those to be able to do more. Are you choosing which card you get or are you drawing no. from the deck? No. Just... So it's drawn from the deck and usually you have two options out or three options out. Usually I have a few options out and you can pick which one of them you want to do. When you finish one off, it's discarded and you pick another one to replace it. Yeah, that's how those work. You may choose to be risky. You can draw some extra dice from the bag to get extra action points. That means that there's extra dice around. And usually that's, I mean, in terms of straight action, it's one die to put it in the bag and one die to take it out of the bag. So, you know... <laughs> Hmm. It's it's not it's short term rewards for for long term non benefits, but it's a thing you can do if you really pushed if you need to rescue an animal to be able to achieve the goal. It's a way of doing that, but it's certainly risky to keep doing. It is not action positive to keep doing. Once you've used all of your four actions, you will pass the back to the next person. You'll keep going. You lose if the sickbay holds one of each different marine animal or if it's got three of a single animal. You also lose if, as mentioned before, there are six or more spillout tokens. So, the, And the spillout happens if there's three dice filling a sector. You lose if you have six or more of those. You can have up to nine on the board, but if you've got more than six, it's a big old red flag saying you must you must go fix this or you're about to lose. There are sets of win cards that determine whether or not you can win. There's a bunch of different ones and they are of varying difficulties. So you pick either at random or pick one specific that you're wanting and you pick what level you're wanting. Or again, if you really want to be weird, pick at random, but there's different win cards for different things you'll need to do to win the game. Often they'll have sort of like a theme where you're focusing on. Are you focusing more on clearing oil? Are you focusing more on saving the animals? Are you focusing more on clearing oil, having less spill tokens, whatever the, whatever the particular wind condition is. The wind conditions, they give some variety to the game so that the game is somewhat mm -hmm. different. In general, you kind of want to be doing a little bit of each, and these will push you to do like a little bit more of one of the things, but you still generally want to be doing a little bit of each. You can rescue animals, you can remove oil and you can push back oil. So it's just a thing you can do. So does this mean you could kind of ignore the wind conditions until the last few rounds or something like that? No, because you do want to be focusing on these. There's especially some of the wind okay. conditions, which are you have to save contaminated or animals specifically. And so if you have to save specific contaminated oils, 
animals. Sometimes you'll not want to save animals so that they can get contaminated, so that you can get them for the wind condition, which feels wrong, but sometimes you have mm-hmm. to. Or you'll have to, you know, again, with people giving you a big old warning, if it turns up that an animal is contaminated, it's one of the set or it's one of the ones you need or it's hard to get contaminated ones, someone should be there warning you like, hey, now is the time to collect a contaminated animal. Let's go do it or things like that. So you'll want to be focusing on some of them, but at the same time, you don't want to do any of the negative conditions and you don't want to lose. So it's sort of thing you should be aware of the whole game for when the opportunities come up. but it doesn't change every single one of your turns. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. I I like that. There's nine different ones too. So you got plenty of options or some more variety, even if it's not a big variety. Yes. There is a superseding win condition of having the bag of dice be empty. So if you run out of dice to throw into the tower, you cleaned it, they all spill, you've contained it. Even if you haven't won the card win conditions, you have an overarching a bonus win condition of being able to win. It's not mentioned on the card. It's not mentioned anywhere other than the rules. Um, possibly it would be nice if it had a card, just one extra card to match the other win condition cards just to say, hey, this is another win condition and just have it out there. But yeah, mm-hmm. it, it is can. that uncommon. It is not uncommon. No, oh, okay. it's, it's quite common, especially on the harder modes. I sometimes found it easier once I'm having to do everything to not lose just to get through the bag and clear everything and clear all the oil spills sometimes felt like a much more easy and simple way of winning than having to do some of these more nuanced win conditions like, you know, saving the contaminated marine animals, not having too many of the, the sick animals, things like that. It just felt like an easier way of winning to just be really good at everything and not lose. Then also have to make sure I grab contaminated and leave animals to get contaminated. That ridiculousness. Okay. So so you got a couple ways to win. Either remove the oil spill entirely, clean it up, or meet your specific goal. Yes. And, and remove the dice from the bag, essentially. Which is an action intensive way of winning because it's one action to put a die from the board back in the bag, but it's two actions to remove it from the game completely to remove it from the bag completely. Ah, okay. So that's, that's why it's action intensive to go that way, but sometimes it's just easier, more simple to do that because if there's no dice in the bag, like it's not going to be coming on the board. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that makes sense. So that is that. Let me comment on some of the gameplay in terms of the action points. You, I, I did not often find myself locked out of turns where there's, I'm looking at the board. I'm like, Hey, all my issues on the other side of the board, there is nothing I can do here, but it did happen often enough that I make comments about it where all of the issues, just because the dice are completely random, mm-hmm. all the dice could be on the other side of the board. And I'm over here like, there's nothing for me to clean. I've got three spillouts on the other side of the board. I've got five marine animals threatened on the other side of the board. I'm over here. They're over there. There is nothing I can do to be able to prevent that. Now, the solution for that is, I mentioned, get extra dice from the bag to be able to take the extra actions and let issues come up later because you need to now. But, you know, there's definitely times you're like, I am on the wrong side of the board. I want to teleport. <laughs> Just turn it around. Just turn it around. That's right. <laughs> um, now, some of the some of the people, so each player generally has a bonus th- ability they have. Similar to how Pandemic, there's different characters that you have, so same type of thing here. There's different characters, and they do different things. So if you have a character that, you know, say, lets you move all the way across the board, then very good. You get to move all the way across the board, and that's a thing you can do. Or if you have an action ability or an activation cube you can use or whatever it is. You may have extra special powers that will let you be able to rescue when something's on the other side of the board. But when it comes up that everything else on the other side of the board, arg. Arg, arg, arg. <laughs> yeah. Just wait wait a little while. It'll come back. 
Oh, yeah, seriously, wait a little while and come back. No, they'll just lose. It's like the tides. They'll just come and go. Yeah, you you just lose when that happens if, <laughs> if you can't pull it up. It's it's frustrating, and I just want to mention that it's frustrating, but it's the, I mean, it's a random game. It's got dice. The game is supposed to sometimes just lose you that way. If mm-hmm. it weren't random, yeah. it wouldn't be a game. There has to be you know, a risk when you're being able to play that. I just wish that were mitigable, but, you know, it is what it is. Another comment I want to make, the weather effects. What happens when the weather effects come out is if a blue die comes up, you roll it and consult it for which side. So there's different icons to the different sides. You roll it and you see which one it has, and then everyone has to flip over that token. Now, every person does a thing with the dice. So let's say you're playing a four-player game. When one player one pulls out a weather effect and flips it over, and for example, you can't use your specialist ability, when it gets three turns later to your turn, you're expected to look down your board, see like, oh, I'm not supposed to be using my specialist ability, and remember that, and then do it then, even though really it didn't get flipped until three turns ago. Now, hopefully you'll remember, because every single person between you and that person will have to be dealing with their specialist ability, but sometimes you're like, hey, I don't care about that. I'm just going to do it and then done. And it doesn't stick in your mind very well. Mm-hmm. So sometimes there can be a lot of lag between the between that effect getting put on you and until you have to do that, which can make it hard to remember. Now they do have, like, it's nothing, nothing solvable about that. There's tokens already there to help you remember. Like there's the the game has done, I feel everything it can do short of having a little sensor standing over the board to remind you that you're misplaying something like there's, there's a token there specifically to remind you, Hey, don't mess this up. Like move the token somewhere else, put it by your ship or whatever you need to, to help you remember, Hey, this is a thing you're supposed to do. And I've used all sorts of things to be able to remember to do that. Like I put it by my ship. I put on the other thing. I still stuff happens. I won't say that is uncommon for any game, but you know, it's a, it's a thing with it. Mm-hmm, yep. Um, one thing though, that frustrates the lot out of me is the sick bay. So sick bay works that it's, a, there, there is this central board where things you rescue go. Sick bay is split up across two sections and two corners of the board. So the board is primarily a circle. Two corners have the spill icon and a little island. And then two corners are filled up with half of the sick bay each. So there's nine spots in each one of them. And when an animal gets sick, you put it over in one of those nine spots in one of them. Now then remember, if you have one of each of six, you're primed to lose. Or if you have three of one type, you're primed to lose. So I don't, I don't understand what they were thinking because (laughs) if you, is this just one of those ones that I commented before? Like I'm trying to obfuscate information so that you have to talk with people on the other side of the board. Or am I really trying to be like, Hey, did you notice that both of the two corners are entirely filled up and maybe we should do something about that and prevent say turtles from getting sick and go rescue all the turtles because if a turtle gets sick and sent to sick bay, we're going to lose. Like, why is that not all in the one spot? <laughs> why not have the, the board where you put things just get a sick bay or something like it didn't have to be a slot free. Just make it stacks. Just give me six spots for sick bay all in the same space. I, like, or I mean, I'm fine haven't be 18 spots over there. That would have been perfectly fine. But like all in one spot, please. Yeah. And they would please. all fit on one side of the board. It'd be a little bit crowded, but it would definitely fit. Yeah, you could have done that too. It's weird how you got to look at the two opposite ends of the board to to get one set of information. That that's Yeah, this is one that I'm I'm intending at one point in time, I'm going to print up a separate sick bay to just be an add-on to go next to the main situation board. It's just a matter of pulling together like their assets or more making them up or something like that. I don't know, but why in the world it's the, it, 
it is the most frustrating thing to me when we're losing the game and I don't realize it because I'm looking at one of the two sick bays. And it's happened before, especially when I'm playing solo, because they're not on the same spot. I've stopped putting them on the same spot. I stopped putting them on two sides. I've just said, hey, we're just going to make stacks all over here. This is where the new sick bait is. Wow, it's bad enough that you're just ignoring the design even. I, I am. Yeah. I am. I am I am normally the sort of person with these kind of things that I am lawful good because we follow <laughs> we follow the way that it's meant to be to the to the T and that's it's the way it has to be. No, it, this this one this one has got to me because I've literally lost a game two turns ago because I wasn't looking to note that both sides of them are full. Yeah, I, I I've come across situations like that in the past where I end up just ignoring whatever they tell you. Come up with another way that works better. Can't think of them offhand, but that's annoying. That is annoying. And here it does seem like it's more problematic than most games because, like you said, it's opposite ends, and you could be focusing on the side that's empty because it's right next to you, and you for- just forget to look at what's going on at the other end because there's so many other things going on in the game. Yeah, I mean, I'm going to eventually. I've already come up with what I'm going to do is just make a separate sick bay. Yeah, it's just a matter of doing it. Yep. Yep. Okay. So, so it seems like there's a lot of things you've said you don't like about this game that annoy you. None of them are horrible or game breaking or, or made the game specifically unfun but but there's a lot of little issues yeah i would say that's probably my feeling on the game is that it just has a couple points that just niggle at me and and take it down from feeling like a great experience to being a fine experience the game is it the game the the gameplay is good being able to run around, rescue these animals, understand them, it's good. I enjoy the actions I'm taking. I enjoy the components. I enjoy the look and style and feel of the game. But the game only feels good and not great because of these like niggling points that when I hit them, like it's such a speed bump and such a annoyance that it just sits with you. Like when I sit down, I remember, ugh. I remember the time when I was over here and I lost the game because everything was on the other side. I remember the time <laughs> when I lost the game two turns of it because I didn't realize how much stuff was sick. And like the sort of experiences that just are sitting with me on this game. But the game itself, mm. it, I, the game itself is good other than these things. Like the, the design feels strong. The, the elements of running around, trying to rescue them, using your action points, it feels like a good pandemic style game. It's enjoyable doing all of those sorts of, it, it's enjoyable doing all those sorts of things. It's enjoyable rescuing them and running around and playing those things. Yeah. I have, I guess I just have mixed feelings about it. Uh huh. Now, now if you're playing solo, especially, I guess you could, you don't have to put the, the oil rig in the middle of the board. You could have it to the side of the board. Couldn't you next to the board? Just lined up in the same orientation. There's two issues with that. Mm -hmm. That would allow you to see across the board, but when dice come out, so they're in a quadrant, no matter what, one way or the other, they're going to be in a quadrant not facing you. And sometimes they fall like right next to the oil rig, right next to the dice tower. And it's hard to see them without peering around the dice tower, peering around the oil rig. And you get used to it. You continue doing it. But it's a thing that I've missed them before that other people have missed them before or have not announced that they're there more accurately. And so, (laughs) yeah, it's a thing I play with younger kids. (laughs) So yeah, it's happened a number of times. So, I mean, if you had it right next to you, that would be less of an issue. What do you mean? Have it right next to you. The board's big. Put the dice tower right next to you with on top of the, on top of the grid right next to you instead of on the center of the board i haven't tried that i am i'm not sure that would be easier or harder i don't know it seems like it'd be easier but it even then it, it is taking some of the thematicness of, of the that game messes away. with my lawful goodness of playing the game yeah yeah i could see that i probably wouldn't enjoy playing the game that way all right so i guess this game you give it a definite eh I give it mixed feelings. I mean, if yeah. if the cons that I've told that I've said here are don't don't feel like they're cons for you, I think you'll really enjoy the game because 
you know, those those issues, barring those issues aside, the gameplay is really strong. The the play of it is really strong. But those are those are certainly cons for me. And I suppose it's up to you know, it's up to the listener to figure out whether or not that's an issue for you. Yeah. That sounds it sounds like a neat game. I like the I do like the oil rig idea. That that looks fun. Yeah. <laughs> and especially if you have four people playing. It sounds like it actually works much, much better with a group than it does individually because of the those issues you mentioned. Right? And the fact that in a group you get to talk more about it. Oh yeah. I I definitely I mean no, I was gonna say I enjoy playing it so more, but um or I enjoy multiplayer more. I don't think that's true. I think the game particularly facilitates multiplayer more than some other co-ops, but I don't think it facilitates multiplayer more than solo. The solo is still a very good and enjoyable experience, but I will definitely pull it out. If I'm having quarterbacking issues with a certain player, be like, dude, stick to your corner and advise people from your corner, but don't tell people about their corner. Cause like, why just sit over here and talk about your side more than telling everyone what to do. All right. Well, I think we've been stuck in the slick for a while, Julius. Should, should we just sail away now? I think so. I've definitely spilled out my heart and soul on this game. <laughs> All right. Okay. Well, thanks, everyone. And we'll be back next week. All righty. Have a good night, everyone. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening. We love feedback, so we love hearing from you. You can reach me at Julius at OnePlayerPodcast.com or JLBird on BGG. And Albert can be reached at Albert at OnePlayerPodcast.com or Fractaloon on BGG. Our website is OnePlayerPodcast.com with the number one, and we're also on Twitter at OnePlayerPodcast. The intro music is copyright Angus and can be found at Gemendo.com. The transition music is copyright by Dan Elduce Pancaldi, whose page is at DanPancaldi.com. The One Player Podcast is protected under a Creative Commons share-alike license. Thanks for listening.